Good morning, Melbourne. Hope you are doing well during this time. Um, if your life looks anything like mine, there's, a, there's some aspects that we are loving and there are some things that we wish would quickly go away. Well, I want to get stuck straight into my message uh, this morning and I'm really praying that it really brings you a lot of encouragement and maybe makes some sense of life. It's always a good thing if messages can do that. Have you ever thought about what your one piece of advice would be to somebody if you were boarding a train or someone was about to depart on an aeroplane and they said to you, hey, just give me one piece of advice. Have you ever thought about what that would be? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are some obvious things that we would say, you know, have faith in God and, you know, put your faith in him and put your trust in him and so forth and so on. Um, but besides that, if someone was already had a faith in Jesus and was already um, doing most of those things, what would you say would be your one piece of advice? Well, I've, I think I've found mine and... Um, I, I would say my one piece of advice for somebody would be don't be offended by trouble. Don't be offended by trouble. You know, some of the most encouraging words that Jesus ever spoke in the Gospels um, may shock you. But for me, it's John chapter 16, verse 33, where Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In other words, the whole reason I'm telling you this is I want peace to fill your life, guys. And then he says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, it's encouraging to me that Jesus would speak straight into what most of us experience, maybe not, maybe not on a daily basis, but definitely on a weekly basis. And I love the fact that he doesn't allow for any exemptions. He says, in this world, in other words, while you are living and breathing, you will have trouble. There are no exemptions. He doesn't say, unless, of course, you've got half a million followers on Instagram, or unless, of course, you have a lot of money, or unless, of course, how about this one? Unless, of course, you go to church a lot. No, not even that qualifies. Not even, hey, unless you pray and fast. If you pray and fast, then you will never have trouble. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even say, unless you live completely holy. He doesn't say, unless you tithe. He doesn't say, unless you never make a bad decision ever. Or that you would, if, if you speak positively, you will never have trouble in this world. No, he doesn't say that at all. Every human being on the face of this planet is subject to those profound words of Jesus. In actual fact, guys, they're a promise. <laughs> You know, we're often encouraged to remember the promises of God and some of us have got that little box. Do you remember that little box you could buy and you pull out a little scroll and on there were the promises of God? And well, you know, I've never seen these words on one of those promise scrolls. In this world, you will have trouble. People seem to want to avoid that one. But you know what? It is a twofold promise. He says, you will have trouble. But then he also says, but I will help you through the trouble. And his whole intent in telling us this is so that we will have peace. Now, I'm sure listening right now, there would be some people that have lived life long enough to know that troubles do come. But there might be some younger people, some 16, 16, 17-year-olds, 14-year-olds right now that are listening. Maybe you're in the car somewhere, traveling somewhere. Um, well, hopefully you are allowed to do that. Um, you may be thinking, you know what, I haven't experienced much trouble in my life yet. Well, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1 is for you. It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. It says, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. What's it saying? It's saying, young person, just hold on. Now, this is not a pessimistic message. It's just a real message. And Jesus thought it was 
important enough to warn us of these to to warn us of this thing called trouble he's telling us this so that we will have peace and not pain now this is what jesus said one day when he was talking about having a fruitful life do you remember the story of the the parable of the sower and it's a very important parable because basically jesus is warning us of the things that could potentially take us away from our walk with god taking us away from our plan our purpose and ultimately even walking away entirely from our faith and we get to that fourth soil that's profiting and it's it's rich and it's being very fruitful but do you remember the second soil in mark chapter 4 verse 17 jesus is telling us about this this wheat that is growing and it says but since they have no root they only last a short time why when trouble or persecution comes because of the word they quickly fall away so jesus is telling us that trouble has the power to make you fall away but in mark 4 verse 17 in the new king james version because that previous one i just read was the niv but when you read it in the king james should i say it says and they have no root in themselves and so they endure but for a time it says afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the sake of the word it says immediately they are offended isn't that interesting that in one version it says they fall away in another version it says they are offended why are those two words different well well let me put it this way why does the niv which is the later translation say that they quickly fall away because friends when you're offended by trouble that's exactly what we tend to do and it's not just falling away from our faith it's falling away from anything that we were trying to do could be falling away from our relationships with our family members when trouble comes that's the power that it has and that greek word there that is translated fall away or in some versions uh, to be offended is the word scandalezo I hope I've said that correctly for my Greek friends out there. The Bible is saying that when people experience trouble, what tends to happen is they feel scandalizo. Now, does, does that word sound a little bit familiar to you? Yes, of course it is. It's the, it's, the, it's the Greek word from which we get the word scandalize. The Bible is saying that when people experience trouble and affliction, they often feel scandalized now some of you may not really know what that word means i know you've heard it before but this is exactly what it means it means to shock or horrify someone by a real or imagined violation of propriety or morality what's it mean it means when you feel scandalized you are you are shocked by someone's behavior because you think it is against the moral law Jesus is saying that there are going to be times when trouble comes into our life that you will feel scandalized. How? We will be shocked that God has allowed this to happen to us. Have you ever felt that way? I know that I have many, many times. I'm like, God, really? After everything that I'm doing for you and for your kingdom and for your church and trying to love people and trying to love my family, God, why have you allowed this trouble into my life? Often we feel scandalized by people's behavior. We're horrified. That someone could do something like that to us, having been such a good friend to them, how could they betray us like that? Maybe you feel like you've been a great employer and you've had some employees, even just recently, really do the wrong thing by you and you feel scandalized. 
And that Greek word is so powerful. When you actually go back to the Greek and you understand what it means, have a listen to what it actually means. I found this in the Strong's Concordance. It says, it's to cause a person, this is what this word means, to begin to distrust and desert one to whom they ought to trust and obey. What's the Bible saying to us? When we go through troubles, it has the power to cause us to distrust God, to distrust that he does have a plan and a purpose for our life. You know, I do love having conversations, whether it be on aeroplanes or I do get to travel a lot, and I'm often speaking to uh, people who may not have a faith in Jesus. And, you know, often uh, when they discover what I do for a job, they'll say, why do you do that? And generally it, it, it may turn out that they are, whether they may be agnostics or atheists or whatever it may be. Do you know what I've discovered with people? Not all the time, and I certainly don't want to generalize, but often people who insist on on being an atheist or whatever it is that they believe, if you really dig deep, it doesn't take long before you discover that they're basically offended with God. And why? Because when they were younger, something happened. There was some trouble Maybe someone really hurt them. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was some sort of authority figure in their life. And they basically cannot understand how a good God could let that happen to them. I am so glad that Jesus told us, guys, in this world, you will have trouble. And the purpose of my message today is that we would not be shocked by it. We would not be offended when trouble comes into our world. Some of us remember a great man of God called John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was probably the first person to really declare who Jesus is and was. He sees Jesus at the Jordan River and he declares, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, he got a revelation of who Jesus was. Even though he was his cousin, he, he knew that Jesus was far more than that. But, you know, it doesn't take long before we actually see that John the Baptist sends his disciples, to Jesus to ask a question, are you the one or should we be waiting for another? What happened to John the Baptist? What happened that he would now be doubting whether Jesus was who he even believed said he was? Why did John the Baptist feel this way? Well, friends, quite simply because John the Baptist was now in jail and he was hearing of Jesus doing signs and wonders and raising people from the dead and opening up blind eyes and people that were deaf were now hearing yet he himself was stuck in a prison and he just couldn't understand why he was there so i think he just basically had the thought god if jesus is really who he says he is why am i in this prison and some of you right now your revelation of god was so much bigger many years ago the things that you believed the plans that you honestly believe God had for your life were so much bigger a few years ago than they are today. What happened? Trouble. <laughs> That's basically what happened. Trouble. You know, it wasn't too long ago, Helen and I were watching a series on Netflix. And I'm sure some of you have actually watched this film. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I think, I think it's called Now They See Us or something along those lines. Basically um, about five teenagers that were accused of a murder in New York City. And uh, they actually end up going to jail. Um, and they were then, sorry, I shouldn't even really tell you what happens, just in case you want to watch it. Um, but what we discovered was some of the, uh, as we were listening to this show, uh, these young boys were from Harlem. They were from the Bronx area of New York. And the, the honest truth is Helen and I were really struggling to understand the words that some of these boys were speaking. So we actually had to turn on the 
subtitles because we really couldn't understand a word that was being said and it made us feel very old I must say. Now some of you would know that the reason that subtitles are there are for people who are deaf, people who basically cannot hear a thing and um, as we were watching this show now with subtitles it was there was something that was happening that was really distracting and that is you know when the music begins to play um, when a, a horrifying scene is about to come or, or it's you know there's a, a, a plot about to unfold um, that is full of disaster well what we noticed was that just before that they would start to speak um, in brackets it would say ominous music and it was really distracting because as soon as that would go up in the subtitles well lo and behold ominous music would begin to play or if they were going to open up an envelope and there was something really happy in the envelope, then it would say happy music. Or sometimes it would say suspense music. Or uh, in one scene where the young man was going to go to a, uh, to a nightclub to go meet a young lady, it actually said sexy music. And it was really distracting to the point that we actually had to turn it off. But do you know what I was thinking? Wouldn't it be great in life if we actually had a soundtrack? Wouldn't it be great if you were waking up in the morning and it was going to be a terrible day full of trouble? Wouldn't it be great if actually as you woke up there was some ominous music giving you a heads up that today is going to be a day full of trouble? Or if someone was going to send you a huge check in the mail with a lot of money in it that, you know, there would be some happy music before you opened it up. You know what? Life would be just much easier if there was background music, but there isn't any background music and we just have to take life as it comes. But there's one thing I know, friends, is that before there is a triumph, there is always some trouble. And I hear a lot of people talk about they want to be triumphant in life, but friends, there are, there's only a triumph because there's been some trouble. 90% of the stories that we love in the Bible start with someone experiencing trouble. And these are the stories that you hear off the pulpits around the world. These are the stories that you hear in Sunday school or whatever at a conference People speak into these people's lives and they talk about their triumph. But, you know, we talk about David and Goliath, but there is a triumphant story because David had to face a Goliath. Yes, that's right. There's, a, there's Goliath trouble in the Bible. There's famine trouble. There's, there's no water, Moses, trouble. There's leprosy trouble. There's not enough time in the day to fight your enemy trouble. There's the can't walk trouble, can't see trouble, can't hear trouble. There's the I'm dead, please raise me from the dead trouble. Friends, there's always bricks before there is a breakthrough. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, but some of you may not. The children of Israel were about to be delivered out of slavery. They're about to experience freedom like they've never had, or for, at least for not for 400 years. But the Bible tells us that the, before they experienced the triumph of Exodus and leaving Egypt, the Bible says that the Israelite overseers realized that they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you each day. What happened? You know, before the children of Israel were allowed to leave, they had to make bricks without straw. What does that mean? Life got tougher before they experienced their triumph. And friends, if you're going through some trouble right now and you're thinking, what is this all about? Is it possible that right now you're experiencing your Goliath so that you get to experience the victory on the other side of this. And friends, in the middle of trouble, it is so important to remember so many things, but one of the main things you need to remember is trouble is not a sign that you have done something wrong. Friends, please let that soak in. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 13, it says, Friends, 
when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Friends, right now, if you're experiencing some health troubles, don't let the enemy put into your head that maybe you've done something wrong. Maybe because you did some things in your past, that's why you've got that health trouble going on. If you're experiencing some mental health issues right now, friends, it's not always a sign that you have done something wrong. Financial issues, work troubles, children trouble. No, not at all. Psalm 34 verse 19 says this. It says the righteous person, friends, if you've got your faith in Jesus, it's talking to you. It's talking to me right now. It says the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. I love the way the word righteous and the word troubles are in the same sentence. Somehow the enemy has put it into our head that if you're experiencing troubles, you've done something wrong. What about Job chapter 2 verses 9 to 10? This is his wife speaking. She says, are you still maintaining your integrity? She says, just curse God and die. You know what? Who needs, who needs the devil when you've got a wife like that? Did I just say that? Sorry. Um, he replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. You know, why would his wife say that to him? Because Job was experiencing trouble beyond measure, more than we would probably ever experience in our lifetime. And she was saying, are you maintaining your integrity? Are you trying to say that you've done nothing wrong, Job? There's not a chance. You must have done something wrong. And he says, no, no, no. I can't just continually accept good from God and not accept some trouble. Friends, I'm sure you've heard this said before, but you know, constant sunshine, it leads to a drought. You know, people just want permanent sunshine. I can tell you what that leads to. It's called a desert. Friends, we need the rains of life. We need the hail. We need the winds. We need it all. Of course, we need some sunshine. Friends, can I encourage you to do a couple of things? Don't compare your troubles. And I think that's where we, we find ourselves in trouble more than we ought because we compare where we are at with other people's troubles. Do you know something that we taught our kids when they were much younger? And actually, to all the parents out there, I think this is a really great piece of advice. I think it's really important to teach our kids that life isn't fair. I don't know about you, but you know, you may buy your child a present or give them a piece of chocolate that's maybe larger than the other piece of chocolate that you gave to, that ch- to, the, to the next child. And they'll say, Look, it's not fair, Dad. You know, we taught our kids and to basically, in, in regards to that comment, we would say, I'm glad you've worked it out. I know it may sound callous and it may sound harsh, but friends, life isn't fair. And to teach our children that life is fair will really set them up for pain and for failure in some cases because they will think that they've done something wrong. Listen, there's something I've learned in life. Everyone has got something going going on. Everyone. And you may be looking at someone's life right now thinking they never seem to experience trouble. Friends, if you got behind closed doors, you would discover everyone has got something. Do you remember the story of Rachel and Leah? You know, uh, we know that Jacob wanted to marry Rachel and uh, Laban, the father-in-law. Well, he basically gave Leah as a wife to Jacob instead of Rachel. And so he had to work for another seven years for Rachel. Do you know, when you look at these two sisters, the Bible tells us that Rachel was drop-dead gorgeous. 
And maybe that's one of the reasons Jacob wanted to marry her rather than Leah. And the Bible puts it very delicately to tell us that Leah had dim eyes, which I think what it's trying to say is she just wasn't the most attractive person in the world. You know, right there you could say, well, that's unfair. You know, Rachel was good looking, Leah not so much. Did you know that they both married this man, Jacob, and um, Leah could have children, but Rachel couldn't. So there you go. There's the swing. But then the Bible says that Jacob loved Rachel, but he didn't love Leah. And so we just see this constant swinging going on with people experiencing troubles. You know, I was um, watching a, a certain pastor recently, and his church has just exploded and and uh, so many great things going on. And in all honesty, I, in my heart, I said, Lord, you know, it'd be great if that was sort of going on for me. And God, why has that, that happened for him? And, you know, I soon discovered that he's actually, that one of his four children um, is severely handicapped. And I thought, wow, you know. And it's, friends, can I just encourage you? Everyone's got something. It's so important to not compare our troubles. And I've got to tell you, that pastor is doing life so well, um, just taking on whatever God has brought into his life. You know, I look at singles often, and, and I know that for them, they, 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 they are feeling that they're experiencing the trouble of singleness. You know, if you're a single person right now, I'm sure that, you know, these are trying times. It's hard to meet someone. It's hard to go to places and actually meet somebody and finally, you know, begin a relationship and get married. Do you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 28, the Apostle Paul says, he says, but if you do marry, he says, you have not sinned. He says, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. He says, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I don't, he says, and I want to spare you this. What's the Apostle Paul saying? Hey, listen, I know you're desiring to be married and I've got to tell you, marriage is a great thing. But yes, there are troubles. Friends, Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. But then he also says, but fear not because I have overcome the world. Friends, there's your two promises this morning. Trouble will come, has been, and is on its way. But Jesus is telling us that we are going to get through it. Do you know, it wasn't too long ago um, that I put a uh, I, I put some coffee beans on every seat in our church, wrapped up in a little bit of plastic, and so everyone just opened up the uh, the plastic at, at my instructions, and so they all opened up this uh, plastic bag, and in there were some coffee beans, and I said, please. Uh, can I encourage you to put that coffee bean in your mouth and um, just allow that flavor to just open up? And, and people were really enjoying it. Some were crunching into the, the coffee bean. And I said, friends, you know, that coffee bean that, you're, that you are tasting right now is worth $1,600 per kilo. And it is known as Kopi Luwak. And Helen and I had just returned from Bali. And so people were, were you know, happily enjoying this coffee bean. And then I explained why it is so expensive. The reason why it's so expensive, friends, is because there's a little animal called the civet cat that loves to eat coffee beans when they are still on the tree because it is covered in a red flesh. And so the civet cat begins to eat the coffee bean and its digestive tract uh, begins to dissolve the flesh. But what it also does is it starts to make the coffee shell coffee bean shell um, a lot softer and it actually extracts all of the bitterness out of the shell which which makes for a sweeter coffee but friends the way in which they get this coffee bean eventually is that it comes out the other end of the cat 
And when people heard me say that, they began (laughs) spitting out their coffee bean, knowing where it has been. And friends, I'm telling you that story to say, you know, there are some trials that we are going through right now. And, you know, you going through that trial and you coming out the other end and then telling people that you have been through that trial, but you have become better, not bitter. Friends, you're going to help so many people. And God allows us to go through these situations so that we can overcome them and then help others get through the same situations. Friends, that's why he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Friends, life comes with two promises. It comes with the promise of you will have trouble, but it also comes with the promise that I have overcome the world. Psalm 34 verse 17 says it beautifully. It says, the Lord hears when Uh, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. Friends, right now, where you're at, I know that during this time in Melbourne, it is testing. There are some difficult trials and troubles going on right now. Can I encourage you? Psalm 34 tells us that the Lord hears us when we call to him for help. Can I encourage you? that you would just call out to God and say, Lord, I really, really need your help. And you promised that if I would call out to you, that you would be there for me to get me through this trouble. Friends, don't be offended by trouble. Call out to God in your trouble. Maybe you're experiencing some relationship trouble right now. Call out to God. Maybe some trouble with your children right now. There are things going on, some, some thought patterns, negativity right now. Why don't we just call out and not be shocked by the trouble that is going on in our world but to say lord you said it was coming but you also said that you would get me through it take heart and call out let's be the unoffendable christian let's be the unoffendable person that no matter what trouble comes our way we just say the lord gives the good and he also takes away the bad friends that's my one piece of advice troubles are coming the troubles are going it's a part of our life And I just want to encourage you during this season to understand how Jesus sees trouble in our life. Can I pray with you for one moment? Friend, if this has made some sense to you right now, maybe you're you're just thinking, God, even this morning I was asking you, God, why am I experiencing this trouble? Have I done something wrong? Lord, is this some form of punishment? Friends, I want to tell you right now, it isn't. And I would love to pray with you wherever you are, Maybe you would just close your eyes or if it's a bit weird, don't do that at all. But let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person who is listening. Lord, you told us that troubles were coming, but you also told us you were going to get us through it. And I pray for every heart right now that is just leaning toward you saying, God, if this message is true, can you help me right now? Can you help me to get through this trouble? Lord, in some cases, some people are about to lose businesses. Some people are about to lose their employment. Father God, I pray right now that you would intervene. Step in, Father God, and prove yourself to be the most powerful God, to be the one who cares for us. I thank you for every person, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.